Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. We're back from a brief intermission. We are back. It's nice to see you, Maddie. It's nice to see you too, Kate. We're back in the studio together. Mm -hmm. COVID restrictions are confusingly lifting in some places and not so in others, but we have... They lifted in Hamilton last night. Oh, that's exciting. Not completely. I mean, like, you know, phase two. Right. Welcome to phase two. I'm sorry you're not in phase two. Okay. You'll be in phase two soon. Yeah, you know what? I get to sit here in studio with you and we get to go on some runs together and I saw my family, like... Mm -hmm. My parents and my sister and my niece all yeah. in one place for the first time on the weekend. Super exciting. It was just like those little things make such a difference right now. It is honestly the little things are so precious right now. And it makes you wonder if you ever needed the big things. Yeah, you no, know, it really turns that around, doesn't it? Yeah. In fact, um, listeners, we usually try to tell our office to be quiet when we're recording, but you might be able to pick up on the fact that there is a lot of laughter and chatter in the background. I mean, there's only like four people in our office right now, <laughs> but it's really lovely to actually be able to hear that. So we're not going to tell them to be quiet right now. We're going to no. let them socialize because we want people to enjoy themselves where possible. Right. Yes. And whether that be running or at your workplace or just with your family, like we said, it's the little things and yeah, feeling super grateful for those. Me too. So we're, we're, we're back in studio after a bit of a hiatus, as you mentioned. It's been two weeks since our last rundown. And that was intentional. And we've decided to step back from the mic for a little while for a few reasons uh, that we thought were all very important. The first reason is that we thought it was important to process everything that was going on in the world. And the second is that I didn't feel like and neither did Kate. Like, it was our turn to talk um, right. as two white women. We were not who people needed to hear from for the past two weeks. And we may still not be. And we may still not be. And we're going to, but we're going to work on that because that's, I mean, we have recognized that we have a tremendous platform, um, both as, as writers and as audio journalists, and that we want, have really been talking a ton and reflecting on our own blind spots and the way that we can better serve and represent, you know, celebrate the diverse and exciting community and audience that we have. And we have not done an adequate job of that. Um, and we take responsibility for that. And it's something that we feel incredibly strongly about getting much better at. We are the hosts of this show and we've had a lot of conversations, you and I on our runs over the phone in our, you know, other journalistic work about blind spots and I think the thing that we really realized is that we both rely heavily on our existing sort of contact list for stories and for episodes. Well, you fall into a pattern and you exist in your own bubble. And it's important to broaden your horizons and consider, you know, the greater scope of what you're doing. And we've really begun to expand our contact list and reach out to other people who can be more representative of the community that we're trying to serve. And with that in mind, as our community, we want to reiterate the importance of sending us tips, emails, story ideas, because even comments, criticisms, um, because, you know, we're doing this for you. So let us know 
um, what's going on in your community because we guarantee it's cool. And I've I have never been uh, unhappy to get a pitch. Pitch totally. Me. The worst thing we say is no. Right. But you know, it'll be considered. It'll we'll be considered. Love hearing from you. Exactly. So so pitch us. Pitch us for what we're writing about. Pitch us for what we're talking about. And uh, because, you know, if we don't know about it, we can't write about it. And that goes, I mean, Canada is a big place. And so that goes geographically as well, right? Like we, you know, we we understand that, we, you know, you hear, if you're a listener of our show, you know that Maddie lives in Hamilton and I live in Toronto and our office is in Toronto. And, you know, obviously Toronto is not the center of the Canadian universe, contrary to what, unfortunately, some people think. But we, you know, we tell us your stories from the Maritimes, tell us your stories stories from Western Canada. Tell us your stories from the prairies, from Northern communities. We're fascinated by them. We are, you know, dedicated to helping tell them and we want to hear from you. So podcast at runningmagazine.ca is the email address to reach us at. And as always, feel free to use our social channels. We really appreciate the feedback. Some of it, um, appropriately critical in the past weeks. Any of it we want to hear, Shakeout Podcast is our handle on our social accounts. Please feel free to reach out. Can't wait to hear from you. So it is June. It's mid-June. It is mid-June. This would normally be when like, well, the, the marathon season would be wrapping up by now, but this is when, you know, summer trail running would be getting underway. Obviously the track season would be just getting into like full force. Mm-hmm. The Olympic trials were supposed to be less than two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and although of course, like the global pandemic of COVID has kept a lot of the world shut down from an exercise and running perspective, there are still some pretty cool things happening. And we opened the show by saying that we are both great for a lot of things in our lives. And Maddie, I think there's another reason for us as track athletes to both be pretty grateful right now. So I've been like straight up buzzing over the past 24 hours because um, I get to run on a track again, which is just bananas exciting to me. And then also we got word of the first professional professional track meet that is going to take place in North America this summer and it is the Music City Distance Carnival in Nashville. It's a great time. It's a great meet. Will Canadians be able to get there? Big old question mark. Um, Relies heavily on a border that is currently closed. However, in the event that we're allowed to go, my gosh, is that exciting. It's so exciting. So this meet is has it's been a long-standing fixture in the track circuit for mm-hmm. professional runners. And it was sort of born after uh the era of like if you wanted a high-level track meet, everyone in the world had to go to Europe. It's been running for 18 years. I don't actually know it's it got way bigger. It got way bigger. Like I went I went first in 2016, I believe. So an Olympic year, hard to get in a good track race yeah. in an Olympic year, especially when you're kind of a scrub like I was at the time. But I landed myself on a start line with Jenny Simpson because she was trying to break two in the eight. And oh my so gosh. they had 16 women running the 800. And uh, because there was no easy way to split up the fields all of the seat like there was no clear cut divide between heat one and heat two yeah so they just random shuffled the 16 names i love it when they do that i know and i got to stand right next to jenny freaking simpson and run a race which was so cool when else am i gonna end up as an 800 meter runner on a start line with jenny simpson right. especially at that time in my life totally it was so unlikely i was so starstruck i didn't run very well but i had a great time 
And uh, that's kind of what this meat does. It feels really, really down to earth, but it's got extremely elite competitors. You know, Emma Coburn and that group usually go and run a 15 and you have, you know, almost all of the fastest time, like Tennessee soil records have been run at this event. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a super cool vibe. It's a super cool race. And hopefully Canadians can, you know, somehow get there. Obviously, it's far from a done deal and things change quickly. But regardless, for our friends in the States, it'll be an exciting opportunity. Absolutely. So that is scheduled to take place on August 15th. It was announced yesterday, yesterday. or today that the Canadian-U.S. border will remain closed until at least July 21st. I want to be as optimistic as I can about the opening, but given that this is a less than a month after that, we'll see what happens, like you said, but it is a reason to be excited. So just like other meets around the world who are thinking of opening up and actually who already have, we'll talk about that in a moment, um, they're, you know, MCDC is sort of taking a page from that book in terms of there will be no spectators. Mm -hmm. So it will be streamed live for viewers, but there will be no one uh, in the stands. And of course, there will be smaller fields and they're trying to ensure athlete safety and official safety by uh, making everyone take a COVID test in the week leading up and proving a negative result before they attend. And this isn't just athletes. This is coaches. This is officials. This is anyone who will be at the facility. And they will not have more than 10 people on the track at once. Right. Um, I think this is kind of going to be the future for the for a while. So I this wonder. This is the future of track meets, like, I think. It'll be interesting to see, but I think it'll probably be like you have a massive warm-up area and you just keep your distance in the warm-up. And the only time you are unable to distance will be during on your race. race with those 10 specific people. Right. Um, and so presumably if you have, you know. If you've taken a COVID test in the in the seven days preceding, and everyone has, hopefully, hopefully this means everyone can stay healthy and safe. Yep. Super exciting. So MCDC is scheduled for a couple months from now, but there has already been one weird but super thrilling track meet. And we're talking about Oslo's Impossible Games, uh, which took place last Thursday. And this was such a bizarre thing to watch. So it was streamed free on, so World Athletics streamed it on Facebook. It was on a Facebook Live. Uh, I think it was also on YouTube. I can't remember. I watched it on Facebook Live and it was, it was actually really cute. So it's in like one of the biggest stadiums in Norway. And uh, the stands were almost completely empty. There were a couple of, I think like, I don't know, diehard Norwegian fans who are kind of social distancing on this like one little platform who are there in person spectating. But kids in the local schools had uh, basically built these cardboard cutouts of people that were sitting in the home stretch. Did you see that? No. It was so cute. So I think it was like the the last 50 meter stretch before the finish line, like the first five uh, levels of stands were filled with these cardboard cutouts and every kid had decorated them differently, like like designed a person to sit in the stands and basically cheer, which was such a cute idea. That's um, super sweet. And then it attracted some of the world's best athletes, but only like 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, it's well, and that's the thing too, right? Is these it's going to get harder and harder to get into oh, a track meet because the field sizes need to be small. Anyway, you know, that's a that's a different kettle of fish. Right. The point is that it's happening and it's very exciting, but it uh even with these small field sizes and with a spectatorless stadium, it still produced amazing results. And some of them were solo. So there were, there was a, okay, I got to say the most impressive event of the day for me 
Karsten Varholm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who ran a solo 300-meter hurdle world record. Okay, so weird distance, not an official distance, like not an official Olympic distance, but he smashed it and he ran, he ran completely by himself. Um, and it was so fun because throughout this meet, there were a few, uh, national records and then this one world record, but throughout the meet, what they did is that they had lights set up on the rail inside lane one that would light up progressively on world record pace so that as you're running, you can look out of the corner of your eye. And I know they do this at a few of the diamond leagues, I think, where they shoot the flames. This isn't the first time. There are a few stadiums in Europe that have them. I don't know if they're technically legal. I know they're not legal for championship events. Right. Um, Because it would be like having a pacer. It's like having a pacer. But it's super, super cool. I... Oh my gosh, I can't imagine having that like lighting up while I'm working out. I feel like it would be anxiety inducing if you're like, I'm falling behind. Yeah, um, but I think it was the only, like, it would be one of the only ways to actually get yourself up for this meet. So I was thinking about the stimulus. There's probably, wh- what do you think? Maybe 50 people in the entire stadium, including the competitors. Like this, and you know, so many athletes rely on the hype of the meet to get the adrenaline going to actually be able to accomplish the thing they're trying to do. So devoid of that, you need to kind of come up with creative ways like putting cardboard cutout people in the stands. And in fact, I think they, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it, but I think they had the sounds of cheering being pumped in through the loudspeakers. Oh, I believe it. Well, they were doing that in Doha, right? right. The most poorly attended world championships in the history of time. Doha might have been almost COVID friendly um, in terms of like how few people were there watching. And basically in a bubble. In a bubble. So when they're saying like the Olympics will be so weird without spectators, I'm like, well, we we did a world championships like that. Track and field has been preparing for this uh, forever. Right. So little did they know. Little did they know. We haven't had spectators in a long time. So anyway, I think it is it is possible to get hype without, you know, tens of thousands of people. Is it more hype with tens of thousands of people? Heck, yeah, it is. But we're going to have to make do, folks. Right. Well, and the other really interesting thing, again, people just have to get creative in the age of COVID. The other interesting thing that they did that wouldn't work for an Olympics, but for some of these high-level meets, like the Impossible Games, a couple of their events were actually quasi-virtual. So, for instance, the men's pole vault featured three in-person athletes who were competing in the stadium, one of whom is current world record holder Mondo Duplantis, and he was competing against virtual competitor and former world record holder Renaud Lavillenie, who was at his backyard in France and had a backyard official officially accredited pole vault setup with, you know, ripe with cameramen and a very short run up, but they would take turns vaulting against each other in different countries. Um, and the, you know, the, the virtual element counted in terms of the results. There was also a team Norway versus team Kenya, 2000 meter race. Uh, stick with us. This sounds really weird, but there were five Norwegian men and five Kenyan men. And the races started at the same time and they were pumping video from Kenya into the stadium in Norway. And the, 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 the deal was the first three athletes from each team to cross the line, they would compile the times of those three athletes. And then the team with the lowest time would win. So team Norway blew team Kenya out of the water, but the conditions in Kenya 
all those poor runners. It was like pouring rain and windy and well, supposedly cold. That's the thing. If you're not in the same place at the same time, then it truly isn't a level playing field. Well, and they were at altitude. Well, that's the other thing. So not a huge surprise that Team Norway dominated, but it was still a cool concept. And well, it goes to show you too that like people are just getting excited about getting competitive. Totally. In whatever a tiny little way you can make that happen. And, you know, this is this is a great example of that. Of I think if you had told these runners eight months ago that this would be the highlight of their summer, they would have been like, what a piss poor excuse for a race. And now it is truly thrilling. It really is. And speaking of, there are a few other results because we have um, a couple weeks of results to catch up on. There are a few other really stunning virtual results to get to. So the first one takes us back a couple of weeks now. We talked about it in um, right right as it was happening, I think. We got folks excited about signing up for it. We're talking about the great virtual race across Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And we never got to the results from that event. So Canada's own Terry Belosky from St. Thomas, Ontario, was the first official finisher of this virtual race out of almost 20,000 entrants. She was the fastest person to cross the virtual line. She finished the 1,000-kilometer race in 11 days and 20 hours, which means averaging 85K per day for almost two weeks straight. It's so much running. And she did it pretty quick, too. These weren't like 11-minute kilometers. So her average pace was around eight minutes per K. So she would go, you know, sort of as fast as 7.30, as slow as 8.30, depending on how her body felt. But she just tried to keep it super consistent. But that is so fast when you consider that she had to do that for 85 kilometers a day for 11 days. Almost 12 days. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. I would like to see what her recovery profile was like, (laughs) because that is uh, no small feat. We also had an amazing result out of the States more recently, just a couple days ago, from a 35-year-old mother of two who was an NCAA standout uh, about 15 years ago. We're talking about Kira D'Amato. So impressive. 15.04, 5,000-meter on-the-track solo time trial. My gosh, Olympic standard. Holy crap. Yeah, so 15.04, for perspective, the Olympic standard is 15.10. Yeah, she shattered Olympic standard. Like, this is so impressive. Like, this probably means she can go 14-something in a race. Um, You know, just when you consider the the effect that the crowds and the stands and the, and, you know, the race day adrenaline has on you. This is so, so, so impressive. And I love seeing these women who have children and then they come back to really, really competitive running. We go. We, we we can't go a week basically without talking about someone who's done this. It's no. so inspiring, and it wasn't a thing until recently because I feel like people were just told, "Well, that's impossible. You've left your elite career, you've moved on, and now this is your new life." And I think it is just so admirable the people who have said, "Well, why does it have to be that way?" Well, and I think again, we you know we <laughs> we're always trying to find silver linings. I think one of the small benefits of this weird COVID time that we're in is that people, everyone's race calendar has been turned upside down and people came in really fit. I mean, 
D'Amato actually had moved up to the marathon in recent years and was planning to have uh, like a full road racing season this year. And obviously everything got canceled. And so she said, look, I have all this fitness. I was a really good track and cross country runner back in the day in my college years. Let's see what I can do. I mean, we saw that with Paula James a couple of weeks ago, right? Like running this unbelievably fast time. She was time. a 400 runner. Right. But yeah. it moved up and, and our, people are taking on new challenges because they're using this as an opportunity to test themselves in different ways. And in a lot of the way, in a lot of ways, it's without the pressure. Like you don't have to sign up necessarily for the race. You don't have to put huge expectation on yourself. I think it's kind of freeing for people to just open themselves up to what they're capable of. Steph Bruce ran what a 436 mile on the road. That's right. Like, you know, this is, this is so, so cool. And I think, yeah, it is. It's giving people the opportunity to, in a really low stakes environment, get out of their comfort zone. And I think that's ultimately what we're all trying to do. You know, that's all, that's what this is about is just, you know, seeing how much you can improve against you. So absolutely. This has given everyone a very, a very nice opportunity yeah. to give these events a try for sure. And finally, the Comrades Marathon was to be held this past Sunday, and it was, in a way, was the virtual Comrades Marathon. So normally this race is, you know, depending on the direction that it goes, because it alternates each year, either 87 or 90K. Um, But for the virtual event, they offered, the organizers offered a range of events, 45K, 21K, 10K, and 5K options, um, in addition to the traditional 90K distance. And uh, there were a whole bunch of Canadians that posted some great results. There's an article on our website. Go check that out. Ben Snyder McGrath, one of our staff writers, wrote a great recap of all of those results. Check it out at runningmagazine.ca and use it as motivation for whatever your next virtual event is, because there are many, many coming up. And on that note, we are continuing to update the list on our website of virtual races that you can participate in, sign your name up to and see what you can do. Speaking of kind of bananas challenges, so this isn't running specifically, but a lot of runners showed up. So we'll call it running specific. Sure. Cross training. Um, so over the weekend, um, my boyfriend, who is a, a former track runner turned cyclist, uh, completed the Everest challenge. And the Everest challenge is when you climb uh, just shy of 9,000 meters of elevation in one go. And it's a big thing in the cycling community. It's becoming a thing in the running community. And this was a fundraiser for, you know, a local charity of your choice, whatever was meaningful to you. There are a lot of good causes right now and a lot of things to give to. So the idea was that it wasn't, you know, one place to donate to. It was whatever you felt was important. So he rode 86 times up a 1.2 kilometer hill on Saturday, and I did 12 of those hills and felt just totally fried. But it was really, really cool, and it was really fun. And I think that it just speaks to the fact that people are looking to be kind of united right now. Yeah. Because... This is not something I would have participated in otherwise. Like, you know, in if the world was different, I would have 
probably been actually in Nashville to track meet over the weekend. Right. Um, you know, and it would have been a high pressure time for me trying to qualify for my first Olympic team. And there's no way that I would have spent 12 hours on a hill with my boyfriend and his family while we cheered for him to complete a 10 and a half hour activity. Um, and also thrash your legs going up and, and down that hill. And also thrash my own legs going yeah. up and down that hill. But it was really, really fun. And it was totally outside of my comfort zone. And ultimately, I think that's what these, you know, time trials, challenges, whatever you decide to do are. is just something to look forward to, something to put your energy into, mm-hmm. and a way to feel um, united with your community, even if you're not present together. Because, you know, tons of people across Ontario did this challenge you know, from all different locations and donated money. And we're following along on how, you know, his challenge went, but they didn't have to be in Hamilton to participate. And that that's the whole idea with this. And I think I think it is far more effective than we might have anticipated. Awesome. So you you were like a a, a supporter slash pacer, right? I was I was, I was you were like support crew. crew. I was I was I was Instagram crew. I hopped in in like the last ninety minutes to help out a bit with the actual uh, physical activity. Um, I would I would call myself a facilitator. Ah, okay. But no, I did not complete the challenge in its entirety. Well, kudos to Jeremy and everyone else who did it. Yeah, it was super. It was it was super cool. You know, if people want to try it, plan, plan well, uh, bring lots of salts. That's we didn't have enough salt. Actually, runners in general, PSA, eat more salt than you think right now. You're sweating a ton. Right. Um, But yeah, it's the moral of the story is plan a challenge, plan a time trial, plan something exciting in the next few weeks, because it really gives you a little little pep in your step. (laughs) Love it. Love a pep in my step. Anything you're looking forward to this week? Slash recipes to share. Anything else you want to share? Um, I made, while you're thinking, a crispy Asian tofu bowl. Mm. And it was, it was really, really good. It was like soy sauce, hoisin, maple syrup, lime juice, chili flakes, sesame oil. And I, oh, and then some cornstarch to give the, the tofu a little crisp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just pan fried it. <laughs> my, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. It was one of the better dishes I've made. I mean, I didn't come up with the recipe, but it was definitely a winner in my household. Okay. Served over fresh veggies, jasmine rice, and some edamame. It was, that sounds amazing. Yeah. My recipe recommendation saffron coconut rice it's like a one pot situation coconut milk ginger garlic oh yeah those things saffron turmeric cilantro i use frozen peas like just like grab whatever freezer vegetables you have um i usually mix in like some swiss chard or spinach and then i do like just some chicken thighs to go with it killer 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 and like sits in your fridge for five days and you can eat it for lunch every other day. And I only live with one other person, so it lasts us a long time, but it feeds like six people comfortably and we're big eaters. So cool. Yeah. New York Times. I think it's a Sam Sifton recipe. I don't know. I doubt Sam Sifton listens to the pod, but if you do, I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's my recommendation for the week. Nice. Sounds great. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Rundown. As we mentioned, keep communicating with us. Let us know what you think. Stay safe, healthy, and supported. 
and we will be back with more next week. So for this week's rundown, I'm Kate and I'm Maddie and we'll talk to you soon. 